Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We're ending your week off with the best of the best. Dr. Judy Jasek, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Got some uh, got some fun information to share and a shout out to Jessica Anderson, who I spoke with last night, she lives in New Jersey and she buys your food. And we're going to talk about um, what's going on with one of her, one of her pups today, but I just want to say hi, they watch or listen um, regularly to our podcasts and they say they've just been life-changing for them. So hello, Jessica. Hello, Jessica. That's fabulous. Now we don't know about Jessica, but I'm going to ask about you. Have you been doing any sphincter sunning? No, I'm a little worried that the HOA may not approve of that. <laughs> you sent me this thing. It was on uh, <laughs> on Telegram. People are actually doing this, and I don't. I don't do TikTok. I don't look at TikTok, and I certainly <laughs> don't want to see people sunning their sphincter. Humans sunning their sphincter on TikTok. What is what is the point? To get vitamin D in your sphincter section? <laughs> I think you could sun the rest of your skin and get your vitamin D if that's really your objective. Plus, my other thought was, you know, sunburn down there could be a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dr. Jasek, has the world lost their ever living, loving sphincter mind? I think so. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of it because things just keep getting crazier and crazier. It seems like TikTok puts out these ridiculous thing, things for people to do just to see how many people will do it. I mean, they were uh, putting out where kids were going in bathrooms and like pulling the sinks, you know, off the wall. Or there were things where they would go in grocery stores. And I saw it here in our grocery stores where they would just run through the grocery store and just cause havoc. And oh, now really? they're um, they're convincing people that they need to expose their sphincter to the sun. Okay. I don't know. I got nothing. I just don't know what to <laughs> say about that. I guess to each their own. But, you know, maybe it'll be a new, um, you know, beach designation the sphincter sunning beach or something yeah i won't be i won't be visiting that particular beach let's just uh let's just uh say it like that i will not be doing that but what we want to talk about today uh dr jasek is what you talked to jessica about talk to us a little bit about what the issue was with jessica's beagle and why maybe the information that's being put out there isn't really the cause. What's going on? Really? Incorrect, incorrect <laughs> you, information? No, that <laughs> doesn't happen, please. I just can't. I just can't imagine that. Tell me that's not true. I just. <laughs> Are they training our brains to accept lies more and more and more? Yeah, I think so. I, I really do. I think they just. Because they keep their, their, the 
propaganda and the lies are just get more and more ridiculous. It's like they just keep pushing it and pushing it. And then maybe just people get conditioned. Oh, and just believe whatever I hear, you know. People are believing things that that aren't necessarily um true. And 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 yet we don't seem to have the time or the inclination to do research. And you know, we've been saying for a very long time, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, and more questions. Right? right. So when you go in to get some type of treatment, we need to understand why we need to understand what the, what the pro, you know, what the, what the positive effects can be, but we also need to really understand what the negative effects can be. Now, the problem I see with this, Dr. Jasek, is that people um, in the traditional veterinary industry um, tend to say there aren't any negative effects. Right. There aren't really, there aren't any negative effects. How could that be? Um, There are, there are. And what we're going to talk about today is something that you, well, that they title, they title this Beagle Pain Syndrome. Beagle Pain Syndrome, right? First of all, when, when I, and I'd never heard, heard of this actual syndrome before last night when I was talking to Jessica and Whenever I hear like a vague, very kind of non-specific diagnosis like that, I know it's BS. It's like beagle pain syndrome. Like, okay, beagles, what does that mean? Beagles are more susceptible to pain than other dogs, or it's some, you know, new thing now, a new beagle thing. I mean, like it doesn't, the diagnosis doesn't even make any sense. And so I see a lot of dogs with you know, post-vaccine autoimmune uh, polyarthritis, that's what I would call it, where they just are very, very painful um, after a round of vaccine. So I read some of the articles, you know, the one I sent you, and there's a couple of others out there. And I thought, hmm, I wonder what age this is showing up, because I bet it's under a year of age. Sure enough, uh, I think four to 10 months. Well, what happens in the first four months of a dog's life? They get a bazillion vaccinations in conventional medicine. So, and, and what's happening, what happened with um, Jessica's dog is it became very painful, ran a, you know, the classic like autoimmune type symptoms, um, high fever, very painful, just immobile, just not wanting to move around. When, when something like this happens, suddenly in a young dog. And this dog is only about two and a half years old. Yeah. So the symptoms started just in June of this year and had its the last round of vaccines uh, kind of early in 20, 2022. So few months after, after the vaccines, but that's, that's what's key about vaccines because the vaccines can just disrupt normal immune system function. So it's not like you always see an immediate reaction to vaccines. Like you can get a, some swelling or soreness at the injection site, or they could get some hives. They can be lethargic for a day after. Like, yeah, you can get those immediate reactions. But sometimes when they, especially when they get vaccines over and over and over again, Dogs, especially coming from rescues, where they're every time they're moved, they're getting given another round of vaccinations. It disrupts normal immune system function. And you just don't always see the signs of that right off the bat. It's like, and there'll be like a tipping point. Now, was there maybe something else that this dog was exposed to that created that tipping point that that created this um, this set of symptoms? I mean, we 
things like autoimmune, we don't always know exactly, but, you know, to, to name this something like, oh, it's just this thing that beagles get and not associate it with the vaccines, which I firmly believe this is an, an underlying cause of this is just, is just so wrong. It's so wrong because, because then people aren't going to recognize that the, things like this could be caused by vaccines. Now, to the credit of the neurologist that uh, Jessica took her dog to, um, the neurologist actually said no more vaccines, told them point blank, said that, you know, they would get him an exemption. So the neurologist had connected the dots. So I say good for that practitioner, but that's not always the case. And especially when we have another name to put to something. So you see this set of symptoms, you know, a dog four to 10 months old. I'm not sure why they're picking on beagles on this one, because I've seen this type of thing in all different breeds of dogs, but they, they are, um, they start to get, you know, pain or they're, they're lethargic, um, high fevers, these sets of symptoms. Well, now we got something that we can call it. We can call it beagle pain syndrome. We don't have to look any further. It just like, and then, and then once there's an appropriate name, then there'll be an appropriate treatment to go along with it, which in this case was steroids, um, because autoimmune disease does respond really well to steroids. And sometimes some sort of immunosuppressive treatment is a good idea in the short term because we have to get the pets comfortable because they can be really miserable with this. Um, but then she also sees a Chinese medicine practitioner where she lives that started this dog on herbs, which is something else I usually do. And um, as well to help stabilize the body as we get the autoimmune condition under control, then we start to wean them off with the steroids and we need those herbs. We need something on board to help stabilize. And of course she's feeding the raw diet. So we're not poisoning the body with, you know, overly processed toxic kibble. And this dog doing, the dog's doing great. The dog's just doing phenomenal. He's almost down to ver a very, very low dose of prednisone and doing great on the raw diet, eating that really well, continuing on the, on the Chinese herbs. So he's actually um, doing, doing quite well, but a, a dog under different circumstances diagnosed with this could be just put on steroids or other immunosuppressive drugs for the rest of their life because they're not addressing the underlying cause. And they'll probably keep vaccinating them and they'll just get sicker and sicker and sicker. I, this is just really sad. So this is like, um, what is it? Adult death syndrome? Yeah. Sudden adult, sudden adult death syndrome. Exactly. I thought about that too. Like, oh, people are just dying at this increased rate. Let's just name it something vague that means nothing. And then we can call it something and we don't have to think any more about it. Right. So always deflecting from what's really going on, right? Because we cannot, we cannot allow the pharmaceutical industry to be disrupted. So whatever has to happen, whether we have to name it some absurd name, whether we have to draw people's attention away from vaccines by telling them to expose their sphincter to the sun, whatever we've got to do, let's do it so we don't have to interrupt the vaccine schedule. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's keep them coming in for those shots. Keep them getting sicker. 
you know, more money in more, more money in sickness than there is in health for the, you know, practitioners that practice that way. Well, if you look in this article that you sent me, okay, it says, what causes this? And it says, well, at the present time, the exact cause of Beagle pain syndrome is not known. However, here are all the symptoms, cervical pain, decreased appetite, fever, uh, pain in the neck or a stiff neck, muscle spasms, weakness, pain in the jaw. Uh, But hey, we don't know what's causing that. Come on. I mean, that is utterly and completely ridiculous. Now, I could I could understand it if all of these beagles were coming out of Dr. Anthony Fauci's lab. Yeah, no of course, kidding. they would have pain in the neck as he puts them in this in the stretch, uh, you know, in the in the um, little suits to keep them uh, where they can't move, so that he can inject all types of crap in them and then take their barkers out because they're whining and we can't have dogs whining while you're inflicting pain. Yeah, right. Because you might feel like an, an inkling of human compassion. You couldn't have that. Yeah, this is just un, unbelievable. So the dog is doing better, but why did they end up contacting you? What was their goal to work with you on this dog? They are, well, they're avid followers, followers of our podcast, and they uh, wanted to make sure they were on the right track, that there was nothing else that. Um, you know, I would recommend for them. They do have another little beagle that has, um, has a heart murmur. And so we talked a little bit about that. So they just, they wanted to touch base. Um, you know, they follow our podcasts and are just, you know, really like the, the work that we do and just wanted to make sure they were on the right track. And, and luckily, you know, they'd gotten some really good help and their dog is, is doing really well. But I just beware of these new diagnoses and ask a lot of questions when you hear something new and odd like that. And names that just like don't mean anything, like beagle pain syndrome. Like, well, what does that mean? Okay, we have a painful beagle, but that doesn't tell us anything about what it is or where it came from or what's going on in the body. You know, I, and I think it's important that you ask those questions. Uh, isn't this funny? It says, how is this diagnosed? Well, as of this writing, there's no diagnostic test for Beagle pain syndrome, but we're going to run other tests to uh, rule out bacterial meningitis, discospondylitis, spinal tumor, Lyme disease, and cervical disc disease. Yes. And several thousand dollars later, they're going to have beagle pain syndrome. Isn't that convenient how they can make all this money doing all these tests to rule out these other really serious things when we really need to be treating is vaccine injury. Because if we don't, if we don't, if we're not looking at what's causing these things or even what are contributing factors, because not only, you know, do vaccines damage their health, but the poor diets do. And if nobody's having that conversation with people, then these poor dogs, they're just doomed. They're doomed to a a life of, you know, um, immunosuppressive drugs and probably getting cancer at a young age. Well, I have to believe, Dr. Jasek, that many, 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 if not all of these type of sites that let's say that they have, you know, um, breed specific information are put out there by the pharmaceutical companies and big, uh, the big, the commercial pet foods. Why? Because when I look at this article and it says, what to feed, 
an overweight beagle, because we do see a lot of overweight beagles. Their suggestion is not to take off kibble. Their suggestion, and I'm sure whoever puts out this article gets some sort of um, affiliate link off of this, but they want you to feed this reduced fat, wellness core, grain-free, high protein, dry dog food. Okay. Now, if you take a look at the ingredients in that particular dog food for this overweight beagle, we see that it's deboned turkey. That's that's probably all right. But then you've got turkey meal, chicken meal. Then we go into lentils, peas, dried ground potatoes, pea fiber, flaxseed, mm-hmm. tomato pomace, chicken fat, um, salmon oil, and then and then we go into all of the synthetic vitamins and minerals. There's really nothing in here that I would say that is great for an overweight beagle. Just take them off the dadgum kibble. And then they say, well, what about treats in this, in this, um, in this particular article? Well, they want you to give these old mother Hubbard natural mm-hmm. dog treats. Well, do you want to know what's in there? Um, whole wheat flour, oatmeal, oat fiber, chicken, sweet potatoes, cane molasses. That's good. Uh, then we've got some eggs, apples, carrots, and mixed tocopherols. Now, mixed tocopherols are a preservative, and they say it's a natural preservative. Why don't they just say what it is? What is it? Because right here, right above it, they've got this big stamp that says all natural, no artificial preservatives, because that is a ding, ding, ding for the pet parents to go, oh, this is good. This is this is a good treat. Yeah, of course. Of course, without reading the actual ingredients, and I do this with clients all the time, you have to read every single ingredient on the label. And I'm also seeing a trend as you're as you're reading off these products. So Old Mother Hubbard is actually made by the wellness company. The wellness company, I, I'm pretty sure it's been bought out by an even bigger corporation now. I'm not sure which one, but those are affiliated companies. So they're also doing a little marketing here to, you know, sell, sell food. Yeah. And you know what they do is they do mix in some of the things that we talk about with their crappy advice, I will say, cause it is, but they, they do say, okay, look at your beagle from above. Do you see a divine, a defined waist? That's true. We want to see a defined waist. And that mm-hmm. says, look at the beagle from the side. There should be an up tuck where the abdomen tucks up to the rib cage. That's true. Mm-hmm. Feel the base of your beagle's tail. It should be smooth and you should be able to easily feel the base where it meets the spine and then feel the rib cage. You should be able to feel it without excess fat. So all that is true, but mm-hmm. okay, that's great. And that's good information, but then you're going to go feed kibble. And what they want you to do is feed these re- reduced calories on already substandard nutrition. I can't, I can't even begin to think that makes my heart hurt. It makes my heart hurt. But what I see, you know, often is the recommendation is we just fill them up with fiber, right? Give the green beans. I've heard that one so many times, you know, the dogs, they can't get them to lose weight and they're not feeding them very much food and they're starving all the time. Just, you know, add some green beans in or some other source of fiber just so that they feel full. 
but that's not good nutrition. You're filling the space in their belly, but they're hungry all the time in part because they're not getting good nutrition. Their body is just not getting what they need nutritionally. If you give them a species appropriate diet, so they're getting the nutrients in the bioavailable form that they're supposed to be getting them in they're, they're I mean, dogs should like to eat, but they definitely lose a lot of this like food urgency, like, oh my God, I just can't, you know, get enough food to eat because their bodies are craving nutrition. And, and if you're not giving that to them, that's, that's why they're, you know, counter surfing and eating loaves of bread and gaining even more weight because they're just craving something and they just keep eating. Well, you're going to love this, Dr. Jasek. In this article, you know what they suggest that you do for a dog that that is hungry all the time? You give them a greenie. Oh, yeah. Even better. Even more starch. Oh, yes. The ingredients in greenies are wheat flour, glycerin, wheat gluten, powdered cellulose, gelatin, water, lecithin, minerals. Uh, and then we go into a whole buttload of synthetic vitamins and minerals. It's, it's just, it's, it's just not, um, sensical. It makes no sense. Why don't we take out the thing that's causing the issue? So back to the beagle pain syndrome, why don't we stop doing the vaccinations? Oh no, we can't do that. Well, and then instead of giving your dog crap like greenies, why don't we just put them on a species appropriate diet? Oh no, we can't do that. See, it's always deflecting from what the real source is. And mm-hmm. that's why we cannot allow herbalists, homeopaths, um, Chinese medicine. We can't allow that to come forward because all of those uh, modalities look at what the real cause is. And if we look at the real cause, then there's going to be a lot of money that's going to be lost. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, vaccines are probably the, the, have the, sorry, the largest markup in veterinary medicine. And that's not an exact exaggeration because, you know, those little vials of vaccines cost probably between three and $5. And what are you paying every time you go in for a vaccine, you know, 30, $35, something like that, that the, the markup is huge, way more than even the the pharmaceutical drugs. They they cost more upfront, but um, but the percentage markup. This is why all these corporate clinics push vaccines so much because there's some corporate executive looking at the bottom line, doing their budget and looking at their balance sheet, and like, wow, look at how much money we make selling vaccines. We pay this much for them, and we make this much, and it's like takes ten seconds to do the do the procedure. It doesn't even have to be a doctor involved. You, know, you can have a tech or a nurse do the shots. Yeah. Let's pump them full of these things. That's how that decision is made. It has nothing to do with health. It is a profit driven business model and nothing more. It has nothing to do with the health of the pets. You know, and, and I, I see, and we talk about this all the time. I see that it's not getting better, even though we have just come mm-hmm. out of two years of where people's Eyes have been opened, um, I hope. We certainly have seen a major change in the narrative. Why? Because there is a control group. There's a control group that sits over here that 
you can look at and say, this group is healthier, right? It's the same mm-hmm. thing that we could look at if we said, all right, here are the controlled group of dogs that do not have toxins in them, that eat a species appropriate diet, um, and those that don't. I mean, we see that every day. For the life of me, I don't know why more vets and more, you know, MDs are, are not waking up to this because how can you just how can you not connect these dots? You know, all you got to do is ask all, all as I started doing was just, you know, looking at the timing. Okay. When, when, when did the symptoms start? When was the last round of, of vaccines? I mean, why would you just think about it? Why would a young dog dog under a year of age run a super high fever and so painful, they can hardly get up and move around. I mean, that's, that's not normal. Well, what happens to young dogs? I mean, they get tons of vaccines. I mean, to me, it's a no brainer. We at least need to be looking at that um, as a, as a potential cause or contributing factor. And then, like you said, we have a lot of clients that don't vaccinate or vaccinate very minimally. We're not seeing these things in, in these dogs. And, and it is a mystery to me why they're, they came up with this, in beagles, because I've seen these, the same set of symptoms in other breeds. So don't think this is just a beagle thing, maybe because they can say it's, you know, genetic, maybe they think it sounds more believable. I, I don't know. Where, where's the actual science? Because if you really look at this particular um, article that I'm looking at, there's no science that backs this up. There's no. no study in here that I can click on and say, where, where's the study for this? Right. It's a rule out diagnosis, meaning that they rule out, they spend all this money on all these other tests. And if they can't prove anything else, well, let's just call it this because, you know, conventional medicine, they have to name things because they can't, they don't have an appropriate treatment unless they can name something. So for this, well, we've seen these sets of symptoms and everything else is testing normal. So before we can treat it, we have to name it. We, you know, they don't want to say, oh, I don't know what this is. Let's just throw your pet on some steroids and see what happens, though we do see that done too. But it's it sounds to the practitioner, they feel like it sounds much more valid if they are actually naming something and then, oh, this is a thing. I read an article about it and here's the treatment protocol. They don't, don't even have to use their brains. And I think that's the direction medicine is going. Like they don't want practitioners to think, to think about cause and effect or connect the dots and what might be going on. And, you know, isn't there a a better, better way to keep our pets healthy? The powers that be, they don't, they don't want practitioners even thinking that they just want them on autopilot, these corporate clinics that give the vet seven minutes to spend with their clients. So that all they have time for is to go in and name a condition and send them out the door with a bottle of pills. And that's, considered medicine. And it's just, it's just disgusting. I wonder if when you're standing in front of a vet and a vet wants to do this and this and this and this, if you say no, are pet parents worrying that vets are going to turn them into some agency? I mean, what, what is the biggest fear that you hear that pet parents are experiencing and why they, they, tend to not push back. What's their biggest fear? I think it's guilt. I think their 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 fear is they're afraid of not doing the right thing and then their pet gets sicker and then it will be their fault because 
veterinarians, a lot of conventional vets, and these are stories I hear from clients, they are brutally mean to people, just bully them. Like, you know, just tell them, well, you don't do this stuff and your pet's going to die. Well, nobody wants that on their shoulders. And, and even if they, you know, think, you know, a lot of people I, I see, you know, they come in here and they're like, I just didn't, that didn't sound right to me what I was being told, but I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't want my dog to die. So they really, there's a lot of just fear propaganda that isn't even true that, you know, you know, with the cancer patients, you know, people are scared into starting chemotherapy and these conventional treatments because they're told if they don't do that, well, their pet's going to be dead in a month. And, you know, it's completely untrue. I mean, we can work with a lot of these, you know, cancer patients and they can live way beyond the conventional predictions, but the conventional vets, they don't have any of these other options. And so they scare people into it, even into spending, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, that list of diagnostics, diagnostic tests that you read off earlier, probably between five and $10,000 easily just for the testing. And then what, you know, I always ask the question, right? Encourage clients to ask the question, what, what is that diagnostic test going to get us? You know, is that going to, is that going to change our treatment options? Are we going to get information that is actually going to help us help the pet more? And if the answer is no, then don't be spending the money on that. Spending money on getting raw food or ozone treatments or things that could actually help the pet rather than spending thousands of dollars on, on diagnostics that don't even give you any different treatment options. So I think that's where you come in. I think that people can call you and get a uh, another perspective, right. get get a a second voice, a reasonable voice, somebody who can give you alternatives that aren't going to break the bank and to help you not feel so guilty. Let's get these, you know, get the pet on really good nutrition and see how far that gets us because that helps so many things. I mean, sometimes that's all we need to do, or it'll get us like 80% of the way. And then we add in some other things for support. But I see so often people will be on a, I can't afford raw. So it'll be on a kibble diet and then 20 supplements. Well, how about if we take all that money you're putting on those supplements to make, you know, make the diet quote unquote complete. And let's take all of those resources and put them towards raw and I bet you're not going to be spending a whole lot more money. It's, it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a different, you know, way of, way of thinking. Um, I had a client um, ask me yesterday, we had this discussion about, um, and this was a, a cancer case and they were going to go talk to an oncologist where they live. They were also out of state. And they said, the oncologist doesn't think we should feed raw. And this is a really common thing that oncology well, has too much bacteria in there. And, you know, we're going to be giving your dog drugs to wipe out the immune system. So, you know, don't feed them a healthy diet. <laughs> kind of what I hear it makes no sense at all. So we have to have this discussion. Well, yeah, there's bacteria in raw food. We want healthy, good, beneficial bacteria. You don't want to be eating sterile food. Or you don't want your pet eating sterile food. And if it's a, if it's properly prepared, there's not going to be pathogenic bacteria. So bacteria just all get lumped together and there's this presumption that they're all bad, but that's not really true, but it's a, it, it's a different way 
of thinking. And this is just another one of those fear propaganda things. Oh, you can't feed your cancer patient, you know, raw food because all that back could, because we're going to be wiping out the immune system. Well, how about if we don't wipe out the immune system? That's right. <laughs> just saying that would be my approach. How about if we feed them a healthy diet, support normal immune system function, instead of wiping it out, then maybe we'll have better results that way. I don't know. Just a possibility. Just a thought. What did they decide to do by the time they left? Oh, well, he was, we were, I was on the phone with him. And so I sent him information on the things that I was recommending herbs and different. Oh yeah. He was up in Canada. That's right. Because it was, it would take, he wanted to look into local resources because it takes two to three weeks sometimes to get things to people in Canada. These yeah. Days. Yeah. We can't so, ship to Canada for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tricky. So I think he, I sent him a list of everything that we had talked about. He was going to take that list to the oncologist Uh-oh. and then, and yeah, right. And, and what my experience is that oncologists, when they don't know about something, instead of finding out or asking or saying, Hey, maybe I should talk to Dr. Jasek about what these things are. They just say, well, let's just hold off on all that stuff until the chemo is done. So then you can really poison the dog because they have even less support. And that's usually what happens in oncology. You know, oncologists are trained. Nutrition doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just eat whatever they want. I know when people, they actually tell people eat ice cream and cakes and cookies and forget getting chemo. So you don't lose weight because people tend to lose weight because it's so debilitating. So yeah, just eat a bunch of sugar and then really help your cancer grow. You know, it's just ridiculous. And how can diet not matter? You're what you put in your mouth and into your digestive tract that's what's getting integrated into the cells in your body. How can it not matter? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. One of our friends just passed away last week uh, oh, that had cancer. Thank you. And um, uh, I remember when he first got diagnosed, we said, well, what did your doctor say about diet? Ah, nothing. Just keep eating what I'm eating. Yeah. Diet doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just our treatments are all that the only chance you have is, is our treatments and, you know, diet, diet doesn't matter. I tell people if they do nothing else, and, and I think this is true for a perfectly healthy pet or any health condition. If you're only going to do one thing, do the nutrition piece, because you're wasting your time and money doing other things and other supplements. If you're not feeding a good quality diet. So at the very least focus on that. And that is good. You have to feed them anyway. So invest a little more time and money into the diet. And that's going to get you way further down the road than keeping them on a crappy diet and just adding in a bunch of, you know, supplements or even worse, the pharmaceuticals. You're hedging your bet always by eating the best foods, by giving your body, whether it's human or animal, giving your body the best possible chance Mm -hmm. of, of getting rid of of doing what the body does naturally. Yeah, it is. It's like an insurance policy. I, I say that very thing uh, to people that it, and, and it is pay now or pay later. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I, I do see some pets that people have, you know, minimized vaccines as best they could. You know, a lot of pets come out of the rescues and they've had a, you know, what kind of a rough start in life. They have a lot of vaccines and maybe not starting the best nutrition, but now, People are, you know, feeding a good diet and they're minimizing vaccines and they're aware of minimizing toxins in the pet's environment, but we live in a toxic world. And so sometimes, you know, we do still see these pets get 
you know, get cancer or get some chronic condition, but I can assure you they have a way, way, way better chance of coming through it or, or, um, we have a much better chance of managing it in these pets because they have a good, strong constitution and a good, strong foundation. So when I see people that are frustrated because they've done all these things that are supposed to be the best thing, um, um, the best thing for their pets and they get sick anyway. And I say, yeah, but your pet would have been a whole lot sicker if you weren't doing the things you're doing. And we are way far, much further ahead um, as far as treatment, because the pet has a good, strong constitution. Cause I see pets like this diagnosed with cancer and they're like, what cancer? Like they're not sick. You know, we maybe found a lump or something, but it, we stand a much better chance of managing it because you have that strong foundation. If the same pet came in and had been eating a kibble diet and was over vaccinated, we have a very debilitated pet that we're starting with and it's much harder to treat those. So don't think that all this, these things don't matter if your pet does get sick, pets get sick, people get sick, you know, it's, it's a fact of life, but you are still going to be way, way, way far, farther ahead of the ball by, by doing this approach and feeding good nutrition and minimizing these toxins. Absolutely. Get a second opinion, get some help for your pet, just like Jessica did, got her dog on a species appropriate diet and then got over and started working with Dr. Judy Jasek. You can find her at ahavet.com. You can also find her on our experts page under health consults as well on uh, our website at rawdogfoodandcompany.com. That's in our learning center. Um, So get over there today because Here at Raw Dog Food and Company, your pet's health is our business. And friends, don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.